0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Noblesville First and those that are watching online, we welcome you as well. If you're watching via Facebook, please be sure to use the comment section and, and introduce yourself so that you can connect with others who are watching at this time. Please join with me now in the call to worship that's responsive in your bulletin. From sunrise to sunset, With the wisdom of the aged and the energy of the young, let
1: us praise God's holy name.
0: In our work and in our homes, let us praise God's holy name. Let us praise the Lord with our whole hearts. We will worship God now and always. This time we invite you to stand as we join in singing immortal, invisible, God only wise. Let us pray. Lord, we ask for your spirit to come among us. May we look at the words that you share, the teachings you provide, but most of all, may we see the life that you lived so that you can become our teacher, our rabbi. Not just words to live by, but a life that exemplifies the sacrificial love that you've already given to us. And now invite us to share with others. May we embrace that on this day through Christ, who is our Lord. Amen. You may be seated.
2: Hi, we are Pastor Jill and Xavier. This week's gospel reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 13 through 17. You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly, because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I have given you an example. Just as I have done, you also must do. I assure you, servants aren't greater than their master, nor are those who are sent greater than the one who sent them. Since you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. We are thankful for the gift of Scripture. Amen. Glimpse my life every day for you. (laughs) Let's pray. Oh, Lord, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you in this time of worship. Lord, you are our teacher, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Well, as you know, we are in our series about freeing Jesus, what that means for each of us and rediscovering him as friend, teacher, Savior, Lord, way, and presence. So this morning we're going to be talking about teacher. What does that mean? How do we live that out in our faith? When I was five years old, I sheepishly wandered into my kindergarten classroom for the first time. Anybody else remember that moment in their lives? Like many of us, starting kindergarten, I was scared, unsure, and uncertain. But I remember my kindergarten teacher, her name was Miss Beats. And she was that kind of person that just lit up a room and made you feel comfortable and like she was going to be your best friend. And I knew that kindergarten was going to be okay. I'm sure that many of us have similar stories. We have names of people in our past and our present who've been our teachers and have helped shape us and influence us for the better. But perhaps it's time that we rediscover Jesus as teacher. A lot of times we don't put that on the top list of things that Jesus is to us. So today, let's rediscover what that is. Because most of what we see Jesus doing is teaching. He teaches everywhere. He teaches at the temple. He teaches on the side of a mountain, by a lake, a campfire, a dinner table, and a wedding. And his students came from all walks of life. Groups, big and small, individuals, crowds, the elderly, the wealthy, the downcast, the sick, the religious elite, and children. Jesus lived and died as a Jewish rabbi. Diana Butler Bass, who wrote the book Freeing Jesus, shares about a time that she went to a retreat with rabbis, and she was asked to speak there. She felt very humbled by the experience. And there was a beautiful time of prayer and song, and she declared to one of the rabbis, I want to be Jewish. And he looked at her with laughter in his eyes and said, You follow Jesus, right? He's a rabbi, you know. Follow him. Listen to his teaching and you'll do just fine. As many of you know, I spent most of my middle school and high school years in the Jewish faith. Going to temple was part of my weekly routine. I went for Hebrew school, Shabbat services, and youth group. My first real encounter with faith community leadership was through a rabbi. It was through a rabbi that I learned Hebrew from my bat mitzvah. I learned about the Torah and experienced the traditions of Judaism. My rabbi acted as a teacher, a counselor, a friend, and a role model. He walked the journey with all of us. And of course, he would occasionally get angry at us sassy teenagers causing trouble during high holy day services. So that was always fun. Several years ago, um, after my bat mitzvah, we received a woman rabbi, a new rabbi. I was really excited because she was a reminder to all of us in the community about equality, a fresh perspective, and a need for a role model for the women in our synagogue. She was the reason that I had an interest in faith community leadership, and I stand before you today. So now as a Christian and a pastor, I identify in a special way with Jesus as my rabbi. And I hope the same for each of you today. So what was a rabbi actually in the time of Jesus? He was a Jewish rabbi with Jewish disciples, as Jesus was. Most Jewish boys around the age of five or six begin to learn Torah, which are the first five books of our Bible. It was expected that these young boys would have memorized that entire Torah by the age of five. Can you imagine doing that? And at this point, the children, some, would no longer go to school because they would learn the family trade. And that was the end of their formal education. But by age 14 or 15, the best of the best of that group was expected to have memorized all of the Hebrew scriptures, those who stuck with it. And the next level after that was called Beit Midrash, and that was the best of the best of the best. And then those students would apply to be disciples of a rabbi. And they would shop around for the best rabbi that would suit what they wanted to learn. Now different rabbis had different understandings of Torah and the Jewish faith, and this was called the Rabbi's yoke. So if you as a student wanted to follow a rabbi, you were expected to take that rabbi's yoke upon you. So in an interview with a rabbi, a student would be asked questions about Torah, about oral tradition, and this rabbi would ask, can this kid do what I do? Does he have what it takes? If the answer was yes, then the rabbi would say, come and follow me. Does this sound familiar yet? The student then devoted His entire life to be like the rabbi. And rabbis and their disciples went everywhere. You can imagine the the dirt and the dust of the roads of the time. So a saying or a blessing developed, and it was this. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Now, most rabbis would begin their teaching around the age of 30. And Jesus, at the age of 30, began his time of teaching. But instead of calling those best of the best of the best, as Jewish tradition called for, he comes across, for example, Peter and Andrew, who are fishermen. And he says, come, follow me. Just knowing that they're fishermen tells us that they were not following anyone else. They were part of the family business. Perhaps they didn't make the cut the first time around. But here is this new and mysterious rabbi, Jesus, who says, come and follow me. Do what I do. As speaker and author Rob Bell says, Jesus calls the JV team to be his disciples, and they change the course of human history. So here's what this teaches me about Jesus as our rabbi, that he believes in us. We always talk about, worry about, question, or our belief in God. But God, through Jesus, believes in us. Jesus leaves it all in the hands of these disciples and has faith that they will do what he does, that they will go and make more disciples and will be like him. I don't know about you, but the very best teachers I know believe in their students. I struggled with math throughout my, all my school years. I was terrible at it. There's a reason I went into theology. (laughs) I don't think I would have gotten through math if not for some key teachers that helped me through. I had one in particular that struggled right along with me. If I had a bad grade on a quiz or couldn't answer a question in class, she would spend time believing in me. And that made a difference between success and failure. And while I was never great at math and still don't like it, the fact that I had someone who I trusted and respected but who also believed in me made that difference. So Jesus is our rabbi because he calls you and me, despite our flaws, despite not always being the best of the best, despite our ragamuffin status and our failures. Jesus is our rabbi because at the end of the day, even when we struggle to understand this life or are weighed down by guilt or shame, he believes in us. When we utter in our prayers, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief, it is Jesus the rabbi who once again calls us to sit at his feet a while and to be his disciples, his students. So today and always, my friends, may you be covered in the dust of your Rabbi Jesus. Amen.
0: This time, if you have children for the uh, Noblesville First Kids programming, please feel free to leave at this time. Well, we have today. We're going to kick off the public phase of our organ renovation, and we have Dave Meets here, who's the resident expert on <laughs> this organ. If you got any questions, I had some questions asked out first, and I was like, "Go talk to Dave. Go talk to Dave." So, uh, Dave, would you please explain what? Tell us about the private phase that was done of the campaign already.
3: Well, first, um, if you didn't notice, it's never a good sign in the middle of a song when you have dead air, meaning there is no sound coming from either the choir or the instrumentation, and the organist goes, that's why we're here. So leading up to the silent phase of the fundraising, the Pike Organ Committee spent three years studying and researching what was going to be involved in either repairing renovating or replacing our current 57-year-old pipe organ. Not only that, we needed to find an organ builder that we had confidence would deliver us the highest quality, most cost-effective solution to this problem. Having chosen Reynolds Associates out of Marion, Indiana, out of the six other pipe pipe organ builders that we interviewed from all the way across the United States, from New York to the Midwest, Uh, we were allowed to make our presentation, our findings to the church board. We were challenged at that time, this was the end of June, to raise half of the purchase price of the organ, which is approximately $283,000. That's half price. By July 1st, that's 30 days. Thus, the silent phase of the fundraising was launched. The silent phase is a common technique in capital fundraising, where you need to gauge the donor base's interest and financial support for the project, but we were successful in the sign-up phase to achieve the required amount to be able to sign the contract, which essentially launched the public phase. So that's why we're here. To date, we've raised approximately $352,000 with donations ranging from under $500 to well over $50,000. The average donation at this point is about $5,500. Well, since a couple of the donations were large, I decided, well, I'm going to take off the top two. But the average was still over $4,000, mid $4,000 range. So that's good news. That's encouraging. Because we still have $215,000 more to raise. The good news is we have two years to do that. We did the last part in one month. We need our congregation, all of you, to continue to be generous, as generous as possible, uh, so that we can meet this goal and make this a reality. Remembering that your pledge can be spread over the next two to three years and can be paid weekly, monthly, quarterly, or in lump sum, whichever you choose.
0: So what's this public phase going to look like for people out in peace? pews?
3: Well, the next phase of, uh, of the fundraising campaign will involve our very, very best effort to raise or pledge the remaining $215,000. That's a pretty simple goal. Hopefully, though, sooner rather than later. Uh, so I'll be praying that we have the money pledged or donated by mid 2022. Keeping in mind, you can still, if you pledge, you can spread the payments over. Uh, 2023. What you'll also see during this part is um, increased information coming out of the pipe organ committee. We'll have status updates about where we are, not only financially, but also where we are with the building of the pipe organ itself, such as. The pipe organ builder has already ordered over 1,000 pipes to be built, and that will take several months because they're all built by hand. We'll have several mailings, such as the one that will be arriving in your mailbox very soon, a series of short, informative videos, which we'll show here um, periodically, and they'll also be available on the website. There is also a page on the church website where you can track the progress of the campaign, view the videos, and make a donation or pledge. We'll provide updates in worship services, in publications such as one-on-one, and on the website. This phase of the campaign essentially will continue until all the funds have been raised. We are hoping that that can be accomplished at least in pledges in the next few months to the mid of 2022, with actual pledge payments being made throughout uh, the rest of the time through 2023.
0: So when this is all done, what will we have to show for it?
3: hopefully an organ that won't stop in the middle of a song.
0: <laughs> so
3: we'll have a, a new three manual, that's three keyboard, 33-ranked pipe organ with over 2,000 pipes, some of which will be exposed on the front wall on either side of the cross. It's beautiful. I've seen the artist's rendition. And we'll be handing out a brochure at the end of the service, and there are pictures of that in there. Uh, the, new, the new pipe organ will also be much more versatile designed for leading congregational singing, organ recitals, and accompanying choir and soloists. It will strengthen our worship services immensely and our connection with the community in the way of providing for weddings, funerals, organ recitals, and choir concerts. The investment should last well over 100 years. That's really good news. And that is, of course, if it's well-maintained.
0: Any final thoughts? I know I shouldn't ask that.
3: <laughs> As a matter of fact,
0: yes.
3: So during the silent phase of the fundraising, each of us in the committee and others prayed in our own way and in our own voices. However, there was one prayer, a special prayer, that I shared with attendees at the fundraiser meetings, and I'd like to share that prayer with you today, because this is all about prayer. So can we go to the Lord in prayer, please? Our most gracious Heavenly Father, you know each, of, each one of us better than we know ourselves. In your love for us, you have blessed us abundantly. We glorify you and give you thanks for all of our many blessings. Who knows that we may have been brought together in this place just for such a time as this. Father, we know nothing in your kingdom is built, renovated, or given value without you being involved in the process. So, O Lord, may our plan to acquire this new pipe organ also be your plan's. And if so, please guide us, bless us, and grace us with a successful fundraising campaign. And we pledge to glorify your holy name in worship through beautiful music and song. To God be the glory, and in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And just one more. In my heart, and this is from my heart, I have faith that God has spoken to this prayer. It's being answered by him by inspiring 65 members of our congregation to pledge over $350,000 in less than three months. My prayer throughout the rest of the campaign will not change because we still have $215,000 to go. Let's all do our very best that we can to keep this level of pledges and donations coming. With God, nothing is impossible. And our logo is, The Pipes Are Calling. (laughs) And we are pulling out all the stops for this Oregon renovation. Thank
0: you all for your support. I wondered if Dave consulted with Phyllis Hunter on that last part there. Sounds like something Phyllis might write. Well, I really appreciate Pastor Jill's Portion of the message today, and especially speaking to somebody who's who lived the Jewish faith to call Jesus as rabbi, it's pretty special, I think. So that let me add my my take on things. We are now entering the second week of our series, freeing Jesus, and the purpose of this series is to set Jesus free from the way we tend to limit Jesus. And we do this one of a couple ways. One is we get so focused on the doctrine of who Jesus is, fully divine, fully human, Son of God, and all that stuff that we forget the powerful and radical teachings of Jesus. And then sometimes we just focus on Jesus' words, and so the morality. Jesus has become someone who's just a teacher of morality. We miss both, so maintaining that tension is so important. Last week we heard about Simon Peter's confession, And how Jesus changed his identity from Simon, which means listener, to Peter, which means rock. And on that confession, he founded the church and gave it that rock-solid foundation that it grew from. Last week, we talked about Jesus as our friend. We noted that Caesar and the gods of the Roman Empire were gods to be feared and appeased, whereas our God came to us as Jesus who calls us his friends. Today we're going to talk about Jesus as teacher. So I want you to stop and think, who in your life has taught you great life lessons? When you thought of somebody, just go ahead and raise your hand. And if you're watching at home, go ahead and throw it in the comments section, on your Facebook, just raise your hand. When you thought of one person, you probably have several, so you don't have to get the person, but just raise your hand a little bit. Yeah, and it may be a school teacher. It may not. Teachers come to us in many places. When I think of that question, I think of several people. I think of Dr. Adolf Hansen, who was my professor at the University of Indianapolis, who taught me a healthy way of approaching Scripture. And I was able to trust him because I knew he loved us. He'd have students over to his home to fondue, which we did back in the 70s. Okay? <laughs> he also had a genuine faith. You could just see it. And so even though sometimes his teaching was challenging to me and my preconceived ideas, I trusted him to at least explore what he had to say. I think of Dr. Ron Housewold, a dentist in my congregation down in New Albany. And he somebody that taught me that you can be a man and be strong and yet emotional. He had this way of coming up beside me and put his arm and say, Jerry, how you doing? And if I wasn't completely honest, he would notice that in my voice and say, now tell me, tell me what's really going on. And he would listen very well. I think of Bill Davidson, who is vice president in charge of accounting at the University of Louisville, and he taught me that integrity is everything. He was the kind of person that whenever the administrative council met, everybody wanted to know what he thought before they would share their opinion or be ready to vote. That's how much he was thought of. And what all this teaches me is that when it comes to describing Jesus as teacher, we need to expand our understanding of what a teacher is. A teacher is not just a conveyor of information and facts or laying down the rules or the laws of nature. Real teachers teach a way of life. And to say Jesus is teacher is not to reduce Jesus to a simple instructor on morality. He made clear that the Torah law, which he endorsed and expanded upon, was not there as a list of do's and don'ts. It wasn't just to set the bar of what it took to get into heaven. Jesus taught us how to live, not just by his words, but that he embodied everything that he taught. If we fully grasp Jesus as teacher, then Jesus' words cannot be reduced to a simple moral and put aside. He fully engaged us. So let's think about how Jesus taught. Now, too many people reduce Jesus down to a wise person who laid down some nice rules for living. We talk about the golden rule, which is a pretty nice rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Good stuff. Jesus did share a few do's and don'ts. The Sermon on the Mount's got some, but if you read the Sermon on the Mount, you realize the spirit of things there. He didn't tell us what to do as much as he told us to be love, and there's a big difference there. Let me see a little more of what I mean. If you read the book of Matthew, you discover that Matthew's got the agenda of trying to explain that Jesus is the one they were looking for. He is that that Messiah that the Jews were looking for, and he has that message shared for Jewish Christians and also Jews who are trying to understand this Jesus. And there's some pretty interesting parallels in Matthew. He suggests that Jesus is the new Moses. And he does so by having five sections of teaching, which parallels the five books of the Torah. He has Jesus going up on a mount to share the Sermon on the Mount, Moses went up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. In both cases, their births were challenged by an evil king trying to kill them. And the parallels go on and on to the point that sometimes people make the mistake of suggesting that Jesus came to replace Moses. But that is not what Matthew's trying to say. Especially, that's not what Jesus is trying to say. Because take note of what he says in Matthew 5.17. He didn't come to do away with the law... to to fulfill the law. And this is so important. If you're going to understand Jesus as teacher, you've got to get this. Jesus was a teacher within a tradition and in a community in which one argues with the text. Rabbis would debate and discuss and argue over the Torah. That's how they came to understand it, how to apply it to their day and age. And Jesus was offering his interpretation of the law as a rabbi of his time, and within the historical experiences of his time. So when you check out the Sermon on the Mount, you hear Jesus saying, you have heard it was said, but I say to you, he's not replacing, he's expanding upon the Torah law. He's taking the Torah law to a new level. He reimagines and expands, inviting an alternative and often innovative reading of the Jewish text. So Jesus' teaching is not some fixed endeavor where you just find what it means to be faithful, and that behavior never changes. It means applying the law of love to the ever-changing circumstances of life. It is a living document. Jesus' words are to be heard and reheard and re-understood and wrestled with every day and every generation. I mean, you remember what the answer that was given to the legal expert wanted to know what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus summed it up. Pretty well. You are the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets depend upon these two commands. So even if Jesus was the Son of God, Jesus himself didn't want his teachings to be static words that sometimes get used to harm others. When Jesus taught about divorce. He said if, you divorce, if anyone divorces his wife and marries another, he commits adultery. He wasn't trying to lay down a law for every marriage breakup. He's applying the law of love to a situation in which men could divorce women with a drop of a hat, oftentimes leaving women in desperate economic situations. I think Jesus would be incredibly upset with how sometimes his words are used against others to judge and even condemn others. I think the, we see this most often with Jesus' words, this is probably the most abused words of Jesus' whole gospel. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. These words get taken completely out of context. These words were shared to the disciples the night before Jesus was betrayed. They're about to lose their Lord and master, their rabbi. And he's trying to let them know that this way of the cross that I'm about to take is the way that you are called to live. And if you follow that sacrificial way, you'll find your way to God and you'll find your way to me. And instead, these words get used against whole nations because they happen to come from a different religion. The way Jesus wants us to approach his teachings is the same way we need to approach the Bible. It is not a static document. It is a living document, a book of books, written by a people of faith for a people of faith to instill faith. Some have described the Bible as God's love letter to humankind. And that's a great way to approach it. So Jesus is our friend. But Jesus is also our teacher. And let me let us all look to his life, the way he embodied those teachings, and live into that and constantly seek to apply and reapply those words to our lives and to the world that we live. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Jesus as our teacher, our rabbi. May we embrace his words and may we seek to live into them not pulling them out when they're convenient, but letting them challenge us each and every day so we might be transformed and then we would be able to transform this world. This is our hope and prayer through Christ who is our Lord. Amen. At this time we have the honor of celebrating the baptism for Brecken Shea Taylor. So I invite... Parents of this child and the godparents to come up at this time. Adam and Rachel are the parents. Stay tuned because there's a part for you to play too, so be looking for the screens on that. All right. Today, you have come to present your child for holy baptism. Baptism is a holy sacrament of the church given as part of our Lord's charge to there, go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing him or her in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's a sacrament offered to infants and children in response to the Lord's statement. Let the little children come to me, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. So, Adam and Rachel, by presenting your child, you accept and proclaim your goal in the life as parents, separately and together, that your child will be raised in a home where Christ is worshipped and the Christian life is lived in word and deed. So, as part of the sacrament of baptism, I ask you these questions of faith, and you're invited to join in as well. Do you, in presenting your child for holy baptism, confess your faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? If so, answer, I do. I do. Do you accept as your duty and privilege to live before your child a life that becomes the gospel, to exercise all godly care that she be brought up in the Christian faith and that she learns by your example the nature and pattern of living as a Christian disciple? If so, answer, I do. I do. And will you nurture her in Christ's holy church? so that she might learn of the love and support of the community of Christ, in order that one day she will accept God's grace for herself, professing her faith openly, and lead a Christian life. If so, answer, I will. I will. So the symbol of the presence of God is water, and that which represents the giving and sustaining of life. At this time, let us pray over this water. Eternal Father, in the fullness of time you have sent Jesus, nurtured in the womb with water. He was baptized by John and anointed by your Spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. So pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and the one who receives it, that she be clothed in righteousness and throughout her life would come to know your love and grace and mercy and remain always a faithful part of your church, eternal. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen.
1: All right. Give her a nice spot. Yeah.
0: You waking up here? Oh, you got your eyes open. And I will ask you what name is given this child, and you answer with her first and middle name because she now takes on the name of Christ and becomes a part of the family of God. So what do you name this child?
3: Breck and Shay.
0: Breck and Shay, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. May the Holy Spirit work within you, Breck and Shay that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. So gracious, gracious Lord, today we recognize and bless and Shea as a member of your church eternal. We are sincere in our offering of thanksgiving for her life and promise and with the help of your grace to live each according to the promises this day. May we witness the abundance of your grace at work in her life, in the lives of her parents, Rachel and Adam. This is her prayer, Offer the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ and Savior of the world. So baptism is not just an act of a child's parents. It's an act of the community of faith, the body of Christ, the church. Today you are the body of Christ in this place. You also represent the body of Christ in the world, and as such, on behalf of those who bear the name Christian, Would you respond to this question? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this child now before you in your care? Please join together in the Congregational Response. With God's help, we will so order our lives at the example of Christ, that Breck and Shay, surrounded by steadfast love, may be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. Few announcements to bring to your attention. First of all, know that the Hamilton County Crop Hamilton County Hunger Walk, which is a, a renewing of the crop walk that's been done annually, especially making it a localized effort. It will be held at Dillon Park on Sunday, October third. And you can participate in several ways. You can come in person. Just show up about 1.30. We'll get walking by 2 o'clock. And join with others as we raise funds for the hungry in Hamilton County. Uh, you can also participate virtually. If you just got something else to do that day and you just say, well, I'm going to walk on my own when I can, uh, you can do so. Uh, or you can just simply Donate. And we hope this to be the beginning of quite an uh, effort to strengthen this infrastructure of all the food pantries in Hamilton County. There's a great need. We heard just uh, Friday night at the Teeter Farm to Table that we have about 6,000 children that fight food insecurity in our county in spite of the wealth that we have in this county. So help us support that. So you can give online, or if you'd rather give by check, find one of these envelopes at the back of the church, and you can give your check that way and all the instructions are on it. Also, the fourth Wednesday luncheon is this Wednesday, and you have until noon tomorrow to sign up. It's going to be game day, and I'm bringing sequence. I'm going to beat some of you uh, as we have some fun. The Lunch is provided for $13, but you need to sign up by noon tomorrow if you want to eat with us. And the student ministry's bonfire for all students grades 6 through 12 will be Sunday to September 26th from 7 to 8.30 at the Sexton's house. Please check the bulletin for all the details and information. And if you happen to be visiting today, please uh, be sure to see Bonnie Zitcraft, and uh, use the connection card to share the best method of contact. We'd just be glad to make sure we welcome you well for being here today. And i invite you at this time to pull out the connection card. You'll find a place to register your attendance, best method of contact. And on the back we have prayer requests and also the best ways that you can serve and connect with our congregation. Right now we're focused on the rummage sale that's coming up, and also our youth need some items to carry on their football Friday nights after the home football games and also the regular youth meetings. So please respond as you can. Let us ask for God's blessing upon the offering and the service that will be offered up in God's name. Lord, we thank you for the honor and privilege of working to build your kingdom and your dreams on this earth. Help us to take them seriously. May we live authentically into Jesus' words that we find so radical and transforming. Take the gifts that we offer Multiply them, focus them, and take the time and gifts that we offer with the abilities that you've given to us through Christ, who is our Lord. Amen.
4: Good morning. Good morning. Today, September 19th in the year 2021, we'd like to share some concerns with you. George Hahn is in Riverview Hospital. Jim Decker and Zo Terhune are both in St. Vincent's down on 86th Street. Please keep them all in your prayers. We'd also like to extend sympathy for the family and friends of Pat Pratt who passed away last Sunday. And we also celebrate joys and praise God for his peace, miraculously and graciously given in the face of tragedy and heartbreak. Please share your prayer concerns with us using the website link to prayer requests or use your Noblesville First app, where the prayer request form is also available. And you can also contact your pastoral care team for upcoming surgeries or any of your pastoral needs at care at noblesvillefirst.com or call the 24-7 care line 317-773-2590. Nothing like imperfection. <laughs> Please join me in the call to prayer this morning which you can find on your mini bulletin or on the screens above my head. God of all people and places, we come to you in prayer, giving thanks that you are with us in all situations. You bring us strength and courage when we are anxious and afraid. You provide wisdom and direction when we face choices and challenges. Thank you for your faithfulness. In this time of prayer, enlarge our love and sharpen our vision so that we may faithfully serve you and the world you love. Amen. At this time, we would like to join together in silent prayer for a moment followed by a pastoral prayer. And then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray together. Father, Abba, in the name of Jesus and by most Holy Spirit, Last week, we were reminded that we can call you our friend. How is it so that we can enjoy a relationship with our mighty God that wants to be our friend? You want to be my friend God? God, our Father, who is the source of everything, the creator of all that is pure and good and perfect, God is our brother Jesus, our good shepherd, the body of Christ, the one who died for me. And then loving Holy Spirit, the means by which you, God, touch our hearts and minds and bodies and souls. No wonder our breath is taken away. May we humbly approach you and ask you, what? may we do for you today our King of glory. Please teach us what you need of us, great mentor of our spirit. Thank you for your ever faithful and steadfast friendship. And Lord Jesus, thank you for teaching us the prayer that you told us long ago that we say together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, Amen.
0: For the sake of time, let's bypass the closing hymn, and I'll share the benediction, and then we'll enjoy the choral benediction. Let us go forth. In Jesus as our friend and as our teacher, our rabbi, and may the dust of that rabbi be on our clothes. Amen.